I was tired of Stanford. We've been getting together too long. Like a worn out recording of a Jeff Jarrett song. So while Vince lay there sleeping, I read the Observer in bed. And in the personal columns, there was a bullet I read. If you hate her, Rakaran is. And listening to Mike today. If you're not into Hogan. And you hate Bobby the Brain. If you like Booker T at midnight. And squashing cruises like grapes. Then I got the job that you're looking for. Right to Ted and escape. Didn't think about my ratings. I don't even know what they mean. But me and my old ratings had fallen into that same old dull routine. So I wrote to the Observer, dedicated it to Ted. Though I'm no Lanny Poffo, I'll suck my in bed. Yes, I ate her, Rakaran is. I fucking hate Mike Tenay. I created Gangrel's Brood and pushed Stefan Shane. I gotta meet you by tomorrow noon to cut through Patterson's red tape at this place called the Garden where I'll plan my escape. So I waited with high hopes as Ted walked into place. I knew that stash in an instant I knew the fat on his face. I said, Ted, this is kind of shady. He said, I want a coup. Then we laughed for a moment. And I said, I never knew that you ate her Quran is. And that prick Mike today. You want to give me a promotion? And then sell the company to Shane? Yeah, I'll push Booker T at midnight. And then I'll bury Dallas Page. I'm the rioter you're looking for to make sure WCW dies. Because WCW must die. North-South Connection Podcast Network. We're all grown up. Welcome to the 10th anniversary of WCW Must Die, where it all begins to fall apart. I'm Johnny C, and I want to thank everybody for uh, joining us here tonight. Since it is our 10th show, not the 10th anniversary, I know. I just like to have fun with that. Uh, I figured it was time to... uh, to assume the position. And I am joined by a very, very special guest. She is the host of the Jenny position, one of the co-hosts of uh, TNA Never Dies, and she's pretty cool. It's Jennifer Smith. Jenny, how are you? I'm good. Oh my God, has it been 10 years of this podcast already? <laughs> it has. You know, we started as a small regional promotion <laughs> with a little bit of talent, and here we are. 
a globally <laughs> platformed Saudi Arabia. No, I, I <laughs> the elimination chamber had just happened, so I felt like spouting off the. Uh, you know, my company is responsible for a lot of great political relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, time is a construct that I don't understand anymore. So, if you had told me there were ten years of this podcast, I would probably believe you. <laughs> Do you think? I was talking to someone else at the North South. I think it was Ryan Gray the other day. Hi, Ryan. Um, that I, I felt mostly that AJ Styles was uh, safe to be around, even though he was a flat earther. Would you agree with that sentiment? I mean, I've always been an AJ fan, like early in my fandom. So, I mean, his flat earther-ness aside, yes, I, I feel like I'm probably safe with him. Yeah, he seems like the type of guy who would be like, yeah, yeah, uh, I am, you know, and then he, yeah. and then he, but then he doesn't want to talk about it, which is great. Like, that's cool, man. Maybe you're, uh, and maybe you're Catholic. I'm not. That doesn't mean that, you know, what have you. This is just a little more of the crazy side. But I love AJ Styles, too. And I don't know why I even brought this up. <laughs> well, you know, discussion I don't know. and whatnot. You, you sound I, I, like you it is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the southern accent that he has that garners a lot of the goodwill uh, towards AJ. Plus, he's <laughs> an amazing wrestler. But. Uh, yeah, I I would be curious to like hear him say like this is why I think this is a, a valid thing and this is why I believe in it because I I, I you know but the, I, but I don't understand it. That's when he loses me because then he's reminding me every second I'm listening to him talk that he's. But I, you look, people should be given their say. As yeah, long as they I mean, don't, I would just like to hear him out. I mean, I, he I, hasn't really done anything publicly with that, has he? Like, no, I, I don't think so. And I really, I really did meant what I said. Like, I think that he's probably like a super okay guy, and he probably I think so too. Like, so I do want to make it clear. I got nothing against AJ Styles. <laughs> <laughs> Look, his his song is still my fucking jam. Like, give me some. You don't want none. Um, yeah, oh. I, I'm gonna shake my ass to that song. See, I thought you meant Bonerette. No, not that. <laughs> hey, I, I have to say, I basically stole your entire uh, concept of TNA Never Dies, and basically I've been mm-hmm. pilfering off of it for the last nine episodes. So I got to thank you guys. That. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, damn it. Oh, I went ahead and said it out loud, <laughs> so nobody can call me on it. Um, why are we here? We are here because. The battle between the New Blood and the Millionaires Club is raging on ever forward. Now, Jenny, before we get started, you're, it's the first your first time on this show. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand with WCW in the year 2000 or any Russo era or just anything? Um, I'll be honest with you, like it's spotty. I uh, I don't know this stuff very much at all i mean after watching it i felt like i did because very much reminds me of tna um but (laughs) yes uh yeah previously i've not seen a ton of uh 2000 nitros um outside of maybe there's some um talking wcw matches from that but i'm seriously doubting it yeah, I don't think anything aside from maybe a couple of cruiserweight, not the stereotype, but like cruiserweight mm-hmm. openers, mm-hmm. Um, right? Yes. Probably even hit like a three and a half on the like the legitimate mm-hmm. wrestling commentator scale. Not my scale, but you know the legitimate right. one. It sure is um, interesting though. Oh, for sure. Now, um, did you? And this is the last thing I'll ask before we get started. 
did you assume the worst coming in? Not because you had to talk to me, but because, <laughs> you know, the rep, there's a reputation that surrounds this. It's one of the reasons I've gotten 10 episodes into it. You know, it, there's a lot of shit to talk shit about. I, I did uh, assume that there would be a lot of, of wild shit. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, not you because couldn't... of you, but just because of <laughs> Vince Russo. <laughs> well, you said wild shit. Yeah. We're not going to go quite that far, but let's get started. It's May 8th. It's 2000. It's St. Louis, Missouri, and it's the TWA Dome, which I think is a very big arena. <laughs> and it was pathetic how – look, I don't want to be too mean – it was just, it's one of those things. It's funny. Like, it's a dome. There's like 4,000 people there if they're lucky. Yeah, I was noticing that uh, it looked pretty sparse. So we enter, it's an interior shot, and we're in a hospital. Uh, and the, the, the cryon says earlier today, and we're immediately greeted with this kind of like way too overly exposed and lit Diamond Dallas Page praying at the bedside of Chris Canyon who is in a halo if it was in like a, uh, I don't know, like a 1990s comic book. You know how everybody has like 16 straps, 42 guns, and three X's on them? <laughs> this, this is a Jim Lee 90s halo. Um, <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. I got There's you a, on that, yeah. <laughs> I figured you would, um, and that's why I laid it out there. Everybody else is like, what? Um, no, there's there's some good people out there. So there, and there's a curtain separating the rooms, which means that uh, TVS or Turner, Time Warner, couldn't even pay for one of their independent contractors to have a full <laughs> hospital room for themselves. Luckily, he was the only patient in this room because shit goes down. Well, it does go. And again, shit goes down. We don't go that far, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So the, it's Eric Bischoff. It's Kimberly. They pull the curtain back. Uh, Kimberly has on an M hat, which I think is the Milwaukee Bucks, but it also stands for me, which is her gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chosen One is here. Mike Awesome is here. Ernest the Cat Miller is here in a wheelchair with rubber gloves on. Mm-hmm. The man is a master. He's a black belt in prop comedy. Between this and some other stuff he's pulled, he's really, really getting high on my list. Um a fight breaks out. The cat breaks a piece of priceless art over DDP. J- J- Jeff Jarrett hits him with like the weakest, weakest crutch shot I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Kimberly calls off the boys and says, it's time to go to Nitro. Now they all walk off camera. I'm still not committed to the fact that this is even a real room. Before we get to the denouement, is this a, is this a soundstage? Is this behind the arena and three pieces of like science fair poster board? That's a great question, but I don't know. It does look pretty legit, like with the equipment, um, the the stupid paintings and stuff. Like, yeah, I guess I you're would right. be surprised if it was a legit hospital. So, DDP is laid out on a on a hospital bed next to Canyon, kind of in the same room anyway. Kimberly walks off frame. She walks back into the frame, talking shit like, "Oh, Paige." Uh-uh. And she has something in her hands. Jenny, what was in her hands? She had a bedpan full of urine in her hands. Now, we have to assume, and I'm again, you're just, you, this is why you are a professional. You <laughs> mentioned no one else is in this room, which means that is the urine certifiably signed off at, of Chris Canyon. Yeah, no Canyon's denying this. Urine. Yeah, can't, can't be anybody else's urine, I don't think. Bless his heart, he's just, he's passed out for all of this. He has no idea that all of this chaos is occurring in his room. 
Absolutely. <laughs> they got him on that good morphine. He he really is high as a kite, I have to assume. I don't know what he's dreaming about, but I hope it was a good time. So, Jenny, initially you said you had your expectations in a certain place. Were they in the toilet? No, I don't. Not in the bedpan, I don't think. Sure. Uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised by it at all, but not expecting that at all. And I am curious whether um, it was real or not. Just saying. Do you think it was Mountain Dew or I'll, I'll do this one. Well, I guess it couldn't have been. It could have been Surge. I was going to ask if it could have been the new Coca-Cola Starlight because that's what I'm drinking right now. How is that? Well, let me tell you, it's a great zero calorie cola. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, able to be recycled and it tastes like space. And WCW <laughs> Must Die is sponsored by Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Get high in space with Coca Cola. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, it tastes like Coke and then it tastes like cotton candy at the end. Okay. All right. Well, I'm a huge Coke Zero fan. Um, like, uh, a, a terrible addict. Uh, so I, I saw it actually today, and I was like, "Oh, I need to research that." Any Coke product always gets oh. on my radar. Uh, so, do you like Coke with coffee? No, I didn't like that one too much. Okay. A lot of people like it, but I couldn't get into it. I was I like... into the Coke energy drinks, the zero sugar energy drinks, and then they so, stopped making them. Yeah, they did. We're we're exactly flipped on that, by the way. I I. I'll take the coffee. You take the energy drink. So needless to say, this was a, a hell of a segment. Um, we, 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 we can't stop. We can't even do the title sequence. We cut to like the parking area and the millionaire club express arrives. I don't think Lex Luger's driving this time uh, because mm-hmm. the first, the first, the first person that gets off. <laughs> wow. I was going to say the first person that gets off is Ric Flair, but that <laughs> seemed a little too easy. Uh, but I will say that Ric Flair has on a massive Alberto Del Rio scarf, which is also fitting. It looks swanky, right? It, well, it does look swanky, but I was trying to imply that, you know, Ric Flair and Alberto Del Rio are both kind of unique human beings. They have that in common. They do. Uh, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea is next. Have you ever encountered this iteration of Hogan before? Because nobody remembers uh, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, as his character is called for this like six week period. No, I had no idea that was his name for this <laughs> for this um, little spot here. Has anyone ever told you that everything they do, they do for you? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Brian Brian Adams Brian was next. Adams, so awesome. yeah. Uh, and then after Brian Adams, Horse Hogan, and then that's it. This is like the worst iteration of the Four Horsemen I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it is Flair and Hogan though. So could. God, if you have Flair and Hogan, that's so fucking weird. It is. They're kind of doing this like respect thing where, you know, Hogan's like Ric Flair is a hell of a wrestler, brother, and Ric Flair's like the greatest box office draw in the history of our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. It's just weird. Sure, sure. Speaking of weird, the new blood is coming out to gloat because earlier, uh, well, not earlier, but the day before, of course, we covered in our last episode, Slambury 2000 where uh, Jeff Jarrett won the triple-tier Cage of Doom, as uh, Michael Buffer called it. And uh, he's a new champion. Uh, DDP, as I'm going to always enunciate the P a couple extra seconds from now on, was betrayed by uh, 
Deputy Dewey himself, David Arquette. David Arquette is with the new blood tonight as they come down the aisle with Kimberly and Bischoff and blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know the new blood. But David Arquette literally looked just like the Jared Leto Joker, in my opinion. Which, like the great value version, maybe. Well, I mean, one would argue that the Jared Leto version of the Joker is the great value version. Right. It's second tier great value. Absolutely. The, um, you know, Bischoff gives a speech. And Jenny, you're a comic person. Do you know what he was doing? He was monologuing. He was explaining the entire, uh, the entire work, the entire deal, his whole plan, his whole mastermind. It was the biggest retcon since the multiverse was erased. (laughs) All right. He's proposing, he's proposing to the audience that Arquette was in on it the whole time. Mm -hmm. And Jarrett wanted to lose the title and David Arquette wanted to win it. And that was his, one of his things he always dreamed about. And Easy E made it happen, man. I was the heavyweight champion of the world. Oh, but I kind of like heel David Arquette, though. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I mean, this is all just very. Um, I, I, I'm gonna keep saying TNA, but it's very TNA. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Arquette in his green suit and his little weird, like bravado from this is is something to watch so he's been really subdued i look for like i mean mostly when he was a baby face and more of a not not of a character more like a celebrity doing a guest spot now he's just full on playing a character and this is like him unleashed you know again this is look i know it's not good but i kind of <laughs> it like i'm into the fact that he's an outsider and he's into it I mean, I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not anybody that plays along, you know, gets it scores some points with me. But yeah, Bischoff is insinuating that even Tank Abbott, you know, went down for a one, two, three voluntarily, which I refuse to believe unless he was, you know, paid by these guys. So I don't have a problem with retcons. I'm a DC over Marvel guy, but this is really bad retcon. They are interrupted by DDP, and uh, David Arquette eats himself a diamond cutter. Did you expect to see Arquette get in on the bumps? Yeah, I mean, I was hoping he would. I, I feel like he should if he's gonna fucking if he's gonna do this shit. You gotta be able to to take some bumps for sure. And he is a former heavyweight champion of the world. Of course. Do you think um, Do you think Vince McMahon and David Arquette should maybe you know? Do a do do battle before it's too late as former world heavyweight champions. I think I should, yeah. I do too. So it, it erupts into a brawl. DDP's out, like I said. Sting comes out to help DDP, and then Chronic comes out. Uh, has Chronic ever saved you, Jim? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, they, well, they didn't really, you know. I mean, I guess they helped DDP a little bit. Uh, the New Blood runs off because they're the heels. And uh, right before we go to break, uh, Diamond Dallas Page tries to spit on the camera and fails miserably. Did you see this? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I think he forgot how to do it or something. I don't know. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, so we've learned some things about DDP already tonight, what he's into. 
I, I'm into Mean Gene. He's in the back. Uh, you know, he basically promotes DDP and Mike Awesome in a stretcher match this evening. We learned that was going to happen. Well, they learned it was going to happen. And Jarrett is going to be taking on Sting for the WCW championship. And when Bischoff says this to Mean Gene, Jarrett gives him that look like, wait a minute, I'm the heel. I'm not supposed to be defending the title. <laughs> a very TNA like. I just, I can very, see it. Very. And, uh, you know, they harp the, they harp, they hype the hardcore championship. Uh, with like a little a video of Terry Funk's like greatest hits in WCW. Um, do you like Terry Funk? I I I respect Terry Funk. Um, I enjoy hardcore wrestling. Um, I enjoy ECW. Terry Funk. Sure. Um, he he's not real high on my favorites, but I do respect him. I, you know, I don't think I saw a Terry. No way, I've seen a Terry Funk match when I was a kid. Uh, he was in a really good tag match at a Halloween Havoc that I really enjoy. But this is the reason I ask is that I didn't want your heart to break because this Terry Funk is not up to snuff when it comes to the ring work. Definitely but I, I think this Terry Funk has something to offer this program. So let's get into our first match. It's for the WCW Hardcore Championship. If the challengers lose, they are fired from WCW. Well, bad news, Jenny. Terry Funk defeats Norman Smiley and Monday Night Ralphus via what I'm describing as Cookie Mania X7. <laughs> okay, which I'll explain, of course. Um, this is just a hardcore match that starts on the outside, big shocker, and eventually they're fighting towards the audience, and there's some, like, roadblocks here. Mm-hmm. like. Uh, what's a technical term for that? Is it a roadblock or a street sign or a, like a construct? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But Norman Smiley eats one for dinner because Funk throws it right in his fucking face. These are called, um, what are they called? Uh, horses or something? Um, shit. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I Pummel horse? No. That, that's a, the, is that the Olympics? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it does sound like the Olympics. It, I think it's the I think uh, it's in Revenge of the Nerds. I think Ogre rides it. <laughs> There's your reference. If you don't get it, fuck you. Yeah, the best part of that movie is the random guy who yells Ogre every time Ogre's on screen. Okay, um, but yeah, so Norman Smiley gets hit with it, uh, but then uh, Ralph and Ralphus is on the ramp, knocked out because of funk. Uh, let's just get to the main event of this. Norman Smiley runs away and finds a golf cart, okay? <laughs> now, Jenny, when Norman Smiley turns on the golf cart, and he's going at like a quarter of top speed, <laughs> Funk has to walk, Funk has to like casually move behind him to act like he's outrunning him. And uh, then Norman pulls into like the causeway of the arena. And I can only describe it as like kind of what the office of my high school looked like. Right. And he's, he drives the around in a complete circle, parks where he ended, gets a couple of bottles of water out of the golf cart, throws them off camera at Terry Funk, and then starts driving away again. <laughs> I, I was losing my mind. It's like king of the golf cart match over here. It is. Um, his funk jumps on the back of the golf cart, and then in 
fucking amazing Wayne's World fashion, <laughs> they crash through this giant stack of milk crates that's clearly there only so it can be crashed into. They start hitting each other with cookie sheets, and there's a, a sort of domino effect because Ralphus is here now. So Funk hits Ralphus, and then Ralphus falls backwards, and his cookie sheet hits Norman, and then Norman hits Ralphus, and Ralphus goes forward. And so, you know, he's the pivot man in this circle jerk. Okay. Right. Um, eventually, though, Funk, like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin at the end of WrestleMania X7, takes the cookie sheet to both of them, literally stabbing them and crushing them. And uh, he gets the one, two, three right there on the floor. Uh, yep. Norman Smiley, you know, cradles up to Ralphus's bosom and starts crying. Uh, they're out of a job. And I gave this match four future endeavors. <laughs> Now, Jenny, uh, we talked a little bit off air about the ranking system. Yeah. I want you to, if you would, apply a ranking, whatever you're comfortable with, <laughs> uh, whether it be the real scale or the WCW must die scale. Um. So, like, this is the sort of like stupid, crazy match that I sort of like. So I, I didn't hate it. I mean, it was dumb. It's real dumb, especially when he gets in the golf cart and just literally just drives in a fucking like just makes a u-turn i don't know if he was thinking that terry was gonna follow him or maybe they i don't know but it was funny like i enjoyed this like it's it's stupid like it's ridiculous but um, right um i'll i'll go on your scale how many endeavors did you say i gave it four which is i mean you know that is high yes yeah, let's let's go with three. Okay. Uh, and 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 the three I, guys in this match who are clearly very good at this. There you go. Yes, that's the thing. I I hypothesized before that these guys know that they are in a Looney Tunes cartoon mm -hmm. and they they have structured their segments because I'm not going to call them matches. Their portion of the television program is a Looney Tunes cartoon and they know what they're doing. So therefore, Terry Funk, legend in a different way. There you go. I mean, I'm on board with that. Are you on board with Mark Madden commentating with a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey on? I mean, I like Penguins, but I, I don't feel like grown men should probably wear Penguins on their shirts. All right. What's that game called where you um, – and, and I will gladly turn the camera on myself too. I'm not doing this because you're my first female guest, mm -hmm. but it's like the, the, the Mary Fuck Kill scale oh, yeah, okay? yeah. with Penguins. Uh -huh. So – Mark Madden in the Penguins jersey, Colin Farrell in the makeup as the Penguin, or Danny DeVito as the Penguin. <laughs> Bonus, you could swap out one of them for Burgess Meredith if you'd like to. All right. So I'm going to kill Mark Madden uh, in his Penguins jersey. Okay. I, I'm going to fuck Colin. Of course. Marry Danny DeVito. <laughs> Hey, it's me and nobody. <laughs> I feel like you don't have any other choice in that scenario. Yeah, because at least, you know, well, you know, I was going to say that DeVito has money, but it looks like this Colin Farrell penguin's got some money. It looks like he at least owns a nightclub, whereas the DeVito penguin was like, he was, he owned that black shit that came out of his nose. I'll tell you that. Well, it's less about the money and more like, I think Danny DeVito would go down on me and Colin would not. 
Danny DeVito has been <laughs> waiting for someone to say that they would welcome that for like the last 30 years. I just figure he has a small dick and so he has learned to compensate over the years. <laughs> He's going to keep you up to your ears and fish heads for sure. There you go. All right. So the commentators are Scott Hudson says that Candy's in the hospital, like because of the bump that he took. He literally says it's a, it was a bump. Mm-hmm. Um, he then gives out his complete medical diagnosis. I looked up HIPAA. It started in 1996. <laughs> this is a clear violation. Now, Jenny, you are privy to Canyon's medical condition. I am. All the listeners now are, and everyone who watches this program, contact me at Save Martha Russo on Twitter if you would like to join in a class action lawsuit against Scott Hudson. For comedic purposes only, of course. He didn't really do that, allegedly. Um, but they talk about uh, David Flair and Ric Flair. Uh, Mark Men calls uh, Ric Flair David's daddy. And I just thought my co-host might enjoy that. I don't know. I did. Yeah, all the daddy references are really good in this episode. Now, I'm not being – I'm using previous shtick that I've heard. I'm not making any assumptions here for the listening audience. I want to make that very clear. At the top of the hour, there's a stretcher match between <laughs> – as I mentioned, it's a, you know they just like to get their top of the hours in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Elizabeth, who was rescued by Lex Luger last night when Le- when Vince Russo accidentally put her on the Millionaire's Club bus, uh, see our last previous episode. Um, it, but it's packaged Liz and Flair, and Flair tells Lex, Lex, I respect you as an athlete, but I got to go do this on my own. So he's heading to the ring to do something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Jenny, when we come back from commercial, he comes out, he gets a hero's welcome because he's a 2000 Ric Flair. What did he uh what did he bring in a bag, Jenny? He brought some belts. Yeah. You uh you know it's a few things about belts in a bag? <laughs> no. Specific, spe- specifically, the exact thing he has in a bag is a replica of Jared's belt and his own NWA heavyweight championship belt, meaning that this is a crossover episode in more than just appearance. This is the actual belt from TNA Never Dies and TNA's Next Generation. That is true. I did not think of that. This kind of stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, this is like the book of Boba Fett of <laughs> uh, professional wrestling because it's like, hey, what happened in between Star Wars and The Force <laughs> Awakens with Boba Fett? Let's learn. This is like how the belt gets from WCW to Flair's mantle, to TNA's next generation. So, you know, Flair does his typical shit. I learned how to make it in St. Louis to want to make it into business. <laughs> um, he calls out, who does he call out? And then this is important. This is not a joke. Who does he call out? Russo? Yeah, kind of, but he before he doesn't call it Russo. He calls out someone else who's a little bit younger. His son. Well, what's his son's name? David Flair. Okay. But he uh, calls out David Flair. Flair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David Flair, I want you to come out here and talk to me. <laughs> um, which is the reason I bring this up, and to, you know, yes, I, I lead into it for humorous purposes, but. So the storyline is going to be Ric Flair is going to talk to David Fleer. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that's that's the professional wrestling storyline that's about to be presented to us. So this is again like Russo's a number one. I don't necessarily hate this because I think if one person can pull it off, it's Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just wanted to you know tell everybody to buckle up because we're going to be doing the blurring the line shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, says you know come out here in front of St. Louis in front of the wrestling world and tell everybody you made a mistake that you want to be David Flair, not David Flair. That you want to be with your father, not Ric Flair. I'm talking about Ric Flair. Like, not confusing at all. No, not at all, in the very least. Um, Especially when you have the captions on, and it's all spelled the fucking same. It certainly is. I did the same. Do you always watch with the captions on? Always. Did you do it? I'm a caption okay. person. So I am when it comes to film, 100%. Everything, I, everything is but, but the uh, even live wrestling, because the delay yeah. drives me crazy. Yeah, it, it drives me crazy, but I, sure. I'm still going to do it. No, of course. And, and, you know, I don't get me wrong. Like, I, if anyone out there is, uh, you know, has the captions on, not for entertainment purposes, you know, I'm not trying to make fun <laughs> of the captions. Like, I, I it, it comes from, um, I get, like, Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy, like, those video games made me crave like not crave but appreciate subtitles during the speaking parts mm-hmm. and uh so that's why i do it uh I doctor have... who made me appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> oh all right yeah I... sometimes on these british shows uh, you know it's your best <laughs> oh, friend. i love this british shit <laughs> that's a major league reference i think so yeah it's it's basically uh, uh, you know, Russo comes out. Who else comes out? Daphne, David. They're all here. They all are dressed up in their New York stuff. Uh, Russo. Well, I don't know what he does. I have in my notes. He reads the list of Russo. Does he, yeah. does he read people's names? He does. I, I, like, I called it his hit list. But yes. OK, OK, OK. Um, now, this is the best part of the interview. OK. Rick says to David, I don't know if it's Flair or Fleer. But he says to him that uh, I told you that they were going to do this. He's like two years ago or a year ago, whatever it was, when you entered this business, I sat you down on that day and had this conversation with you that they were going to try to make money off of tearing us apart. I, I think that's kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. I did too. Um, and, and like, I don't want to oversell it, but I was like, that. There you go. That's the story. That's because you get that sport angle too. Like, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, Everybody, you know, you want to break up the team and see them separate. Like, you're my you're my son. They'll want to make they'll want to exploit us because that's what this business does. So right. anyway, um, you can see both of their sides of this. I mean, and like to a smaller extent, you can see Russo's side to it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Russo's always wanted to, uh, you know, to show that New York was dominant over mm-hmm. Southern wrestling. So, I, yeah, it makes sense. Um, Flair in a boss move. And again, this blur in the line shit pulls out a year 2000 flip phone and says, David, you come back, you leave this Russo. I'll call Vince McMahon right now and get you on Raw next week. Mm-hmm. He goes, because I didn't burn any bridges. I thought what do you think about of, that? Uh, um, I, I mean, is it a bad idea? Like, I, I don't have a marketing degree. I think it's probably a really bad idea. But I kind of think it's one of those things that it's like, I'm Ric Flair, the character, the badass. Like, I believe that Ric Flair, the character, should have these connections. This makes it seem like Ric Flair calls the shots on my show and on Vince's show. So I kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. it just just because I, all of this is very believable to me in Rick, like, having this 
you know, conversation with the son, like they're manipulating you and they're using you, especially this fucking asshole Fitzrusso. And, you know, I told you this was going to happen. And I don't know this. It feels kind of um, real to me. Oh, uh, this has been like Thanksgiving six different yeah. times in the Fleer household. I'm sure of yeah. it. Russo does say he wants at the great American bash, which is like something that gets in the video package. So I've seen it a thousand times. Uh, he wants father versus son. Um, you know, uh, the, the actually I'll call Vince McMahon comes right after this. Um, and David kind of acts like he's going for it, but then they pull the Statue of Liberty play and, you know, crush the Statue of Liberty over his skull. And then David takes the NWA title. And so maybe it doesn't get back to Flair's mantle. Maybe he carries it, Book of Boba Fett style, all the way into the sequels. Okay. Wow. All right, maybe. So that segment was a lot, but it connected a lot of moving pieces at the North-South Connection Network uh, cinematic <laughs> universe. So, you know, uh, they go to commercial. We come back and Ric Flair is leaving. Now, the way he know, we know he's leaving is because like a madman who's forgotten where he is, he just keeps saying the same phrase all over, over and over again. I've had it! I've had, I've had it! it! I've had I'm it! Done. I'm done with this fucking shit. And I, you know what? As a person who has a son, I'm totally on board when you fucking <laughs> just decide that you're fucking done. <laughs> like, I've done yes. all I can do. Like, he's on his own. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's relatable, you know. It is. It super is. I mean, my car is a little bit nicer than Ric Flair's, though, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You got a nicer limo than Ric Flair? Oh, he was in a limo. Damn it, that's right. No. no. Well, I'm sure that uh, Ashley Fleer bought him a car. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> now, I this is a rare opportunity. I don't want to derail this conversation more than I usually do, but you're like uh, – I listened to a great show that actually rotates with this show, uh, Behind the Connection, and the latest episode – was you with JT mm-hmm. and you are a massive Charlotte fan. And I, I, I don't want to spoil anything in case you legitimately like want to seek it out, but you are aware that like starting with this episode, like before the great American bash pay-per-view and during the great American bash pay-per-view, she makes her professional wrestling debut. Do you mean like just on a show or do you mean like, She's a part of the whole Fleer family is a part of the buildup to this match. So uh, Conrad's wife shows up with Charlotte and oh. I think it's now I'm not asking if you're like a Charlotte, like legit real life Mark, but is, is Beth, her mom, like, you know, it, and I'm not trying to dig into these people's personal business, but she's actually Flair, the character on this show. And then of course she becomes Charlotte Flair, the character, but she's here as, Probably like a senior in high school, maybe. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. You know what? And I'm, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but they all have to get involved. And I'm not saying this with any sort of like brilliant hindsight, but it's very obvious that she is comfortable doing this and doesn't feel not at home. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I mean, and I can see that. I mean, that makes sense to me. She's been around it her whole life, and it's obviously in her blood. So, yeah. I mean, You're, so I I'm, do think that like people listening to this, if anyone does, that, that if you're into Charlotte, you would like to see something interesting. I say check it out and I, I'll, we'll be sure and point it out when it actually happens on the show. But I wanted to tell you that just in case 
you know, well, I had you captively that you should check that out. All right. Next, we have the alleged main event, Chuck Palumbo. Have you, have you, I mean, you probably know this guy from Billy and Chuck, right? Um, like vaguely, yeah. Well, I know that it was covered on the Ruthlessly Aggressive mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, Jake Williams is an awesome host, and I, I know that he's covered this. So it's evergreen. Go back into the back catalog. And then every other Tuesday, since it rotates with your other show, TNA Never Dies, you can listen to one and then record the other. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Dynamite exploded all over your face. <laughs> so this... Chuck, this is like green, 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 Chuck Palumbo. Um, He's right out of the power plant, which is the performance center for WCW 2000. Um, He's an idiot. Uh, His catchphrase, though, I kind of like. Did you you catch it? Because he says it, he kind of, he mumbles it because this guy's got fucking marble mouth. (laughs) Uh, He kept saying main event and then he said 3% body fat. Uh, yeah, he is like a clone. He's like just a little bit better than Lex. He says everyone wants to work the main event. Well, now the main event is going to work you, which is a mouthful and would never get on a T-shirt. But no. I don't know. It was clever, cleverly written by uh, the comic book writer. Yeah, I mean, written, perhaps delivered, not so much. <laughs> not a great promo. So. Lex does come out to reclaim his throne as world's most incompetent 2000 wrestler. Um, and it takes four clothesline, uh, but Chucky P goes down. Uh, Russo and Bischoff security come to Liz Knapp. Liz. Yes, I said Liz Knapp. Mm-hmm. You want to fight about it? Um, Lex saves her, but then Chuck Palumbo comes in with the Lex flexor Um they get away with Liz. So Liz is back with Russo held against her will. They put Lex Luger on a stretcher and put him in the back of an ambulance. But uh, I think somebody calls cut because Lex opens his eyes and is like, oh, we're, oh, and then closes it really quick when he sees the camera in his face. What did you think of this? Um. Not my favorite stuff. Um, I don't know. I think I, so from your, from what I gathered from your episode of Behind the Connection, which again, I recommend you just listen to all of them, not just James because she's here, but so you got started kind of later than, uh, like I know I did and a lot of people did. So I don't know how you feel about seeing Liz in this type of environment. And honestly, like this is the best sample size. This is like the most crazy thing I think Liz has ever been asked to do in this world that she inhabited for too long. Uh, I I have mixed feelings because I've not typically ever been a Liz fan just because I feel like, I mean, it's not. hmm, You think she stole your, she stole your gimmick accent or your, your accent gimmick. (laughs) See, because gimmick accent means it's fake, but accent gimmick is like, it's my gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that just her character in general just being like meek and like weak. I'm sorry, those rhyme, but both of those words are what I mean. Um, and she just has like just her entire persona is just not something that I gravitate to because she seems very beaten down. <laughs> like, yeah, no, for time, sure. All the time. And, 
Russo is an absolute fucking asshole to her. She, she doesn't deserve it, but it's, but then again, it's like a little bit. I'm intrigued about the fact that she has to wrestle a match that she never has. Right, exactly. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, and she and it's unfortunate because I was going to say that because um, I like this perspective. So I'm going to take just a minute to, to, to point it out. My perspective has always been like I enjoyed seeing like Liz and the Macho Man like, you know, to me, like face Macho Man was kind of like a hero and Liz was kind of like Lois Lane, but not like a well-written version of Lois Lane, just a, and a you know, there's a time and place for things. Uh, entertainment shows us that uh, whether that's right or wrong, mm-hmm. um, but we could at least agree that cultural norms are represented by the era that a film might represent. So all I'm trying to say is that uh, like Macho was the hero, you know, Liz was the, the Lois Lane type character. Yes. Um, I think it would have been cool to see a power dynamic shift, but I don't think that Liz was from a act. Like, I don't, I just don't know. She was asked to do what she was asked to do and she, she did it very well, but she doesn't really perform too much as like more than a stereotypical Liz character. So it's wrong place, wrong time from every direction. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, like you said, my um, entry late into wrestling when I was already a full grown adult is going to like kind of skew my view on, on things sometimes. Um, and Liz might be uh, the byproduct of that. Well, my uh, SummerSlam 88 tape had a tracking issue during the main event. So mm. that's a bad joke. That's no, it's mean. not. I got it. No, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So, so it's Miss Liz and Teen Wolf's Lori Griffin. For those of you <laughs> who track Jenny, Johnny C podcast collaborations. Um, so, yeah, the next segment kind of, st- I don't know, it's kind of like Vince and Daphne and Liz make a porno because Vince kicks everybody out of the office. And, it's, and, and, you know, the camera comes in and Daphne's sitting there. He's like, Daphne, I want you to stay with me and Liz. And, you know, we know Russo's a scumbag and there's nothing scumbagish about that type of scenario. But in this scenario, one of the people is held there against their will, thus making it scumbagish. So right. for all you keep a score at home, threesomes are cool as long as you're not you didn't kidnap one of them. OK, I mean, I feel like we can all get on board with that. Absolutely. You know that and. Don't let AJ Styles talk about the planet. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so Russo, but yes, and, and you you said it earlier, he books a match. Liz, you're going to have to compete for your freedom, okay? Mm-hmm. If and, and this is an interesting thing. I, I like Daphne and I like Liz, but I feel like if you put them together and form one person, it's going to come out like the audience at Road Wild. Now, I don't have anything against Road Wild per se, and I don't have anything. It's like the individual components. The audience is more Daphne than it is Liz at Rose Wild. No, for sure. But, but well, see, here's the thing. The Liz from Kentucky, okay? Mm. Um, I don't know. I live close to Kentucky. It's kind of crazy sometimes. But, you know, it is what it is. I just think that Liz, prob- Liz has probably been to a couple of rodeos before. Probably. And, uh motorcycle convention stuff like that i mean like because she wasn't the character she portrayed not that she wasn't a nice person um but yeah it's just it's weird seeing her in this setting but Lu, uh, russo has clothes for her for the match and how does he know her size do you think he's going through her bags 
<laughs> I think he doesn't care about her size. He just has some bullshit, and he just threw it at her. Here, see, just bet, wear this. Yeah. Well, see, because I thought for sure the gimmick would be that Russo would put her in something, like, inappropriate. You know Skippy, what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. And she comes out looking like she's one of the uh, no extras on the No Limit Soldiers uh, <laughs> stable from 99. Like, it's – but. But we'll get there. It's time finally for another match. The perfect one, Sean Stasiak, defeats Captain Rexha. (laughs) Captain Rexion with assistance from leaping Kurt Henning. Because Kurt Henning's just a fucking genius in this match. Is he? Uh, Yes. Yeah, because I think, so, you know, to make an incredibly long story short, because (laughs) it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Henning helps the perfect one win kind of on the sly, which if the perfect one is the new Mr. Perfect, that would make his helper the new genius. Okay. You know, are you, fam- are you familiar with yeah, that? I'm not, yeah. okay. okay, I'm following you on that, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, where we're heading here. But he wins with the perfect flex. Uh, the mission, the mission, the misfits in action come out. Uh, and then all the next thing you know, Kevin Nash is out. It's just a fucking it's literally a shit show. Um, Nash is rocking his FUBU. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, man. I gave this match negative uh, two brogues. Now, I did that because uh, at some point in the match, <laughs> which I just didn't want to talk about. Oh, I'm so sorry if you did, Jenny. We'll circle back. No, like, no, I do not. No. Okay. Scott Hudson's like, Liz is going to have to put on her brogans. So I like spent, <laughs> I was like, I Googled brogans while this match was happening. And my computer's like, did you mean uh, Seth Rogan? And I'm like, no, brogan. <laughs> and it's like, oh, here. That ever. They're like, here's Joe Rogan on Spotify. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, give me brogans. So brogans are like steel toed boots or something. Do you know these? Yeah, yeah. Do you, um. Do you have your wife beater on and your steel-toed Doc Martens on your feet? I do. That's what I wear all the time. That's what I figured. I did. Uh, I, I had a bunch of friends that were in the ska when I was in high school, <laughs> so I'm familiar with these things. Um, where are we at? Yeah, negative two brogues, if that's what they are. Did you rank this one? Uh, I, I gave it a zero. Um, but I would I would be down with negative twelve brogues. It gets uh, negative on, twelve on that, brogues then. Yeah, on that scale. Yeah, I think that's the conversion rate. It is. It brokes to asses. Brokes to asses. I, I uh, do like me some Kevin Nash. I, I do like watching him powerbomb the fuck out of people, which he does. He um, does. And he he pulls out another doozy tonight. And also, what else does he do that was cool? Oh, he gets a new nickname at the end of the night as well. I'm excited. And he um, he he just... You know, when he gets on the mic, it's, it's just always a fun time, just no matter oh, what he says. For sure. And, hey, he's on the mic now. He wants to know what Russo's been smoking. All right. Has it been the Delta strain? Maybe some of that <laughs> tie-dye mocha hasi? Yeah, man. Kevin Nash, marijuana strain expert. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, the yeah, uh, I God, Scott Hudson says something stupid. That's a call out. Nash is Nash is basically saying that you know Russo uh, is an idiot for going because they 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 came in a conflict at the pay per view. Okay, mm-hmm. he says 
and I wrote this down because this is an important moment in the history of our sport. He says, Russo, you want to play? I'll play. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to say to you, Jenny, look at the verb play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think Kevin Nash gives two shits that his like most important quote lives in infamy as a moment of stupidity? Probably not. Yeah, it's all good. Hey, end of the day, I got paid. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Nash is just cool. I mean, he is. I like to, I like to have fun with him because you know I kind of feel like he's the kid on the quad who like, you know, knows everything. Mm -hmm. Like if you were like, oh, hey, uh, do you want to go see the Batman tonight with Texas? I'd be like, Batman. You know, Matt Reeves directed that picture. (laughs) He's the fifteen-three lens. I don't know. I saw it. He I definitely mansplains everything for sure. Yes. Oh wow, that's perfect. That is fucking perfect. I mean, I don't perfect. mind it. I don't mind. No, it. but that's kind of his gimmick. It is. Um. Yeah, I don't know. That's good stuff. So, uh, they're interrupted by the filthy animals, mm-hmm. and which is reformed as of tonight. It's Billy Kidman, Conan, and maskless Rey Mysterio, looking like a broke ass Electro in these yellow like fucking fisherman suit that he's wearing i don't fucking know what it i gotta means. be honest it's been a minute since i've seen uh ray unmasked uh so that was kind of startling for me <laughs> <laughs> wow and what a first view tonight of all it's things not the first view but i just think it's been a real long time since i've seen him unmasked and i forgot <laughs> i forgot about all that he he looks like a child he the baby face is intense because I don't know how old he is here, but I think it is, he's like it is amazing how young he looks. I think he's like twenty three or twenty four. I mean, I think he's like twenty one maybe when he starts in WCW. Like it's or nine, it's very young. I know he he did the whole thing where he wrestled when he was like twelve, which I don't think you can do in America. America yeah, I mean but, he he was young in ECW, but he had for a sure. on, so I couldn't tell. But yeah, exactly. Um, everybody's got to get their shit in. Billy Kidman says, I am the kid and this kid don't play. I'm kind of here for that as a catchphrase. This is the first time he's ever said it. Jenny, if I Venmo you five cents, will you do an impression of Conan saying his catchphrase? (laughs) Say it again. If if I Venmo you five cents, (laughs) could I get you to... I know. I decided whether or not I wanted <laughs> to go with that gag. <laughs> um, he says catchphrases. So you need to get ready to toss our salad and peel our potatoes. You but you have to say, Conan? well, you are a Conan aficionado. You've been no, chronically, the, you've been chronically the Jerry Lynn Kane dog excursion of 03. <laughs> say toss our salad and lick our potatoes (laughs) no because it's the thing that you can actually do with the food you toss a salad and peel potatoes if you're in a restaurant (laughs) setting okay so that's how you can remember it right (laughs) i've never never licked a potato (laughs) well uh can you spell potato nope no, that's the gimmick from that Murphy Brown guy. <laughs> Isn't it sad? I remember him as being on Murphy Brown and not being the, the vice president. 
Dan Quayle. That's that Bush. That's Bush One's vice president. Uh, Barr gonna tell the kids not to do the drugs. <laughs> Can you get over here on the self, please? Did you ever watch that Saturday morning cartoon that the Bush administration paid for? The cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, where they teach like Chippendale and the Ninja Turtles and Godzilla and Bugs Buddy teach this kid not to do drugs. No, not that I recall. If that sounds like a good time, Google it. It's a it's a yeah, fun twenty two yeah. minutes. <laughs> uh, it's also got Alf. Hey, I like Alf. <laughs> Shockingly. Oh, I love that you love Alf. Um, I don't have anything against Alf. I just, I just. Can you see America falling for Alf the way that it is now? That could have only happened in the mid to late. 80s. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's happening on wrestling? They beat up Kevin Nash. Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea comes to save him. I do see at one point Nash gets knocked over, and I think he's wearing white socks, which I didn't picture Nash as a white socks guy. Black socks only, right? Well, something that would go with his uh, Tim's. <laughs> yeah. Get these Tim's from uh, the mall. Um, it's three on two tonight. It's going to be a St. Louis street fight. I'm actually kind of interested because I got to thinking, oh, my God, are we going to see Hulk Hogan, like, interact in a wrestling capacity with Rey Mysterio? Because I'm here for that. Why are you here for that? Okay. And and I'll be serious about this for a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is Lance Armstrong's – or Lance Storm's catchphrase. Um, so Hulk Hogan is not a physical wreck here, Okay. And Rey Mysterio is obviously game. I just thought it would be cool to see them actually interact in a ring as like to, as a performers and tell a story. This isn't that type of thing, though. I when I, I think when I took my note and actually literally thought this, I didn't catch that it was going to be a street fight. Uh, a St. Louis style street fight. I'm not sure um, isn't that, what that well, style would be. I think it uh, involves barbecue sauce. No, it involves gunplay and rain all day. Okay, that too. Or you can find me in St. Louis. I try to remember the lyrics, but nobody nobody wants to hear me rap, including myself. Um. Oh. Oh. Okay. So you didn't you didn't do Conan's catchphrase. Do you want to do the Major's Blood's new catchphrase? I did say it. You talking about? Oh, what am I doing? Okay. Oh my God! What's happening? Fans! 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 We're out of time! Fans! Jenny, we're out of time. <laughs> Tune in and thunder. What's happening, Jenny? Are we being invaded? I think so. Um, hey, we're professionals. We don't cut anything out. Um, do you do you know the Mainers Club catchphrase they've been in tonight? No. Um, they're gonna take Russo and wipe our bitch off. Oh my god. It's just awful. It's the worst. Yeah, it's bad. Speaking of the worst, it's a stretcher match. A wrestling match, finally. Uh, Bischoff and Kimberly are joining us on commentary. Mike Awesome defeats DDP via irreconcilable differences. (laughs) Mike Awesome drags is responsible for bringing the stretcher to ringside. And this thing is out of control. He has to pick it up because it's got like one of those busted wheels you get at the grocery store. (laughs) That was so funny watching him struggle with this stretcher. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it was a. I mean, that was the note that I wrote that 
to encompass the first like couple minutes of this match. But I will say this. Um, there was a couple of decent wrestling exchanges here. Mike Awesome, I've been kind of low on him in the most recent weeks. I was really high on Mike Awesome when we started this project, but he's losing stock each week. I don't know. Um, I know that you have a chart of all the match grades I've ever given. I won't ask you to read from it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you have you gotten to, uh, you know, show my cards here. I'm way behind on your ECW show because I'm way behind on ECW, like as a person. It's just mm-hmm. not something I had access to. You're not anywhere close to awesome, right? No, no. I haven't been any awesome on ECW yet. Okay. I have seen some awesome uh, on pay-per-view. I was able to get a couple of ECW pay-per-views towards the end. Uh, I, I think you're in for a treat because uh, I don't know where you stand on awesome or if you've ever been exposed to Mike Awesome. <laughs> That's not as funny as it sounded, but I said it and laughed anyway. But like, you know, famously, he's going to get some really bad gimmicks, but, you know, still he's kind of the mullet, like, oh, Mike Awesome. But I think that works so well. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any opinions on him um, thus far, and and this match is not really going to be one of the ones that I feel like he wants me to hold up to judge him for. No, No. it does. It turns into a bit of a botch fest. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DDP almost dies at one point from a tilt-a-whirl slam. It was scary. Yeah, very sloppy, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um. Kimberly is putting over on commentary that her and Bischoff have the divorce papers at ringside tonight. They're, they're fed up with this. Uh, you know, uh, she wants half of DDP's money and, you know, like that's the gimmick. Um, and I don't know if Georgia is a 50, 50 state, um, or what, I forget what they're called. I don't either. Um, Oh, I'm not going to spend time on it. That's fine. But you know where they would get half and half. Hence 50 yeah. 50 for all the math majors out there. There's a pretty sick moment where Mike Awesome stabs DDP in the face with a chair leg. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. Scary. Uh, so he's covered in piss and he's about to be covered in his own blood too. <laughs> and his own spit because he totally botched that spit earlier. <laughs> well, there's only a few more fluids left uh, for DDP, but um, Kimberly you know, gets the divorce papers signed by force on camera. Uh, So I'm sure those are not going to hold up in any kind of court situation. Speaking of holding up, I, I am not usually a Kimberly Page fan. Really? uh, Yes. Yes. You're like the only dude on the planet who's not a Kimberly Page fan. No, I don't, I'm not into the like, um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not, you know, there's a lot of performers, especially in this era of wrestling, who are very just put together. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not down with being with the put togetherness. Okay, all right. Just, just personally, but hey, like, don't get me wrong, like, uh, I, I, it's totally fine. People want to do that, but you know, a personal preference you can't, can be, can apologize for. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, but tonight she was kind of on. Mm-hmm. from that perspective so i'm going to allow it <laughs> she, she has on, on i will say did she have on the me shirt like for like the the me which is like not a me too gag because can you imagine like <laughs> she's yet. like the farthest thing but like um she her gimmick is it's all about me well she was wearing like some crushed velvet 
stuff. I don't know. It was working for her. Is that a Prince song? Crust Velvet. I think so. Yeah, a Black Velvet, something like that. Roman Reigns. Uh, which actually that that's gotten over in my house uh, uh i will like you know we'll be watching something like chamber and someone will walk by and be like who's that guy and i'll say roman reigns and someone in my house will go roman reigns roman reigns from me doing it because it's too catchy to not do it is very catchy or you, you know? could just call him romaine reigns yeah <laughs> Ah, I think I somehow think that's kind of funnier. It's funny. Um, I gave this two viewings of the mash opening credits because of the stretcher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are boss credits. <laughs> I gave this um three divorce decrees. Nice, fantastic. Um, and yeah, like you said, man, by my hand only page will this marriage end. Uh, that's a Vince McMahon by my hand only Austin joke for all you fans out there. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to hold up in court is my whole thing. That's where that Probably gag is going. No. Russo needs Big Papa Pump to help him with Kevin Nash. <laughs> and uh, Scott says, you get the fuck off of me. Okay. And we're going to talk about Scott. Uh, don't worry. Uh, but they go right to commercial, and then we see Russo with Tank, and that's apparently who he needs to get with. Okay, interview with Jeff Jarrett. He says, "I'm gonna win because I'm the chosen one." Like it's every Jeff Jarrett you've ever heard in any promotion ever. Mm-hmm. The old Jarrett slap ass. <laughs> um, do you prefer cow- the Peacock Kid Rock Cowboy or the My World My World? Oh Jesus. Probably my world. My world. I don't know. Right. I, I maybe I'm just used to it. <laughs> I I've argued on this podcast before that the the Kid Rock knockoff actually helped, in my opinion, get Jarrett over as a main event guy because I just feel like when you add, I don't know, like it's an extra layer to the presentation. It's like we're WCW. Everybody knows we do the rip off songs, so here's one for Jarrett. Yeah, now he's, I mean, in, the, I, now he's yeah. in the club. I mean, you know, whatever whatever it takes to get the guy over. Were you excited to see Scott Steiner and his freaks, his words, not mine, come his out to freaks, the ring? I, I wrote his hoes because I didn't know what <laughs> they were. <laughs> um, Shakira and Madeja. Yeah, the freaks for sure. Um, I'm into this um, triad. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, the, they all the peaks? Seem, yeah, they all seem very yeah. into each other. I don't know. The, the chicks are hot and... Uh, Scott is hot, so I don't know. This is really fun. Uh, Scott Steiner or the Harris Twins? Uh, Scott Steiner. <laughs> is that Mulleton Scott Steiner or Die Job Scott Steiner? Both. Any any Steiner over the Harris Twins. Even the Mulleton one? Have you seen the Mulleton one? I, I like mullets. <laughs> what do you want? I don't have anything against that. It's just a hardcore, like, 90s, like, Ricky Bobby mullet. Yeah. Excuse me, Scott You've Steiner. You've heard has about a... the Harris twins, though, right? Oh, um, I mean, I know what I. Right. I know what the internet knows about them. I guess. Right. right. Is there a deeper gimmick that I? Is there a, a flat Earth conspiracy? AJ and the Harris twins. Um, probably. I mean. Do you think? Um. <laughs> 
Would you rather, and again, I'm not, would you rather have a conversation with AJ Styles about Flat Earth or him to try to get you invest in like a leggings selling company? Oh, Jesus. No, I would really want to talk to him about the Flat Earth stuff. Like I, like I said, I really want to hear his thoughts on that and like why he thinks that. Okay. I can imagine him, though, trying to convince you to invest in his wife's, like, LuLaRoe. Yeah. Hey, you guys know me. I'm four-time NWA TNA X Division champion, AJ Styles. There is a Scott Steiner interview segment, though. Uh, He calls Booker T an amoeba. Mm -hmm. He insinuates that him and his freaks are going to climb to the peaks of Nirvana this evening. I bet they do. Do you think there's something in the way <laughs> when they reach Nirvana? I think so. <laughs> it's an orgasm. It is. Do you think when they get there, because Papa Pump has been working really hard, his deodorant kicks in and it smells like teen spirit? It does. <laughs> um, he insinuates that he is going to... Wait, no, does, does Tank Abbott come out at this yeah, point? Yeah, Tank Abbott comes out and just fucking starts punching him and punches oh, his face out. That's right. It's like a one-punch thing. They really get Tank over on this segment, I they thought. They do, yeah. Um, he still looks like he got his shorts from Kmart. I think yes, I stole that from somebody. Yes, fucking awful. Jesus, they fuck. They are. Damn it. I don't take a lot of notes, but I actually wrote here, because, spoiler alert, I knew you were going to be the co-host. I wrote Jenny, colon. Tank Abbott or the Harris Twins, and I blew it. That would be a tough one, yes. (laughs) I blew my own gag. You did. You did. I'm not going to answer. (laughs) (laughs) We we cut to the back, and it's Sting doing like a Jim Carrey impression. This version of Sting is awful. I've never been a huge Sting fan, so this is just like, no. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What are you can doing? I can I Venmo you ten cents to do Sting's catchphrase? What what is his catchphrase? It's showtime, folks. Oh my god, that's terrible. It is like who are these folks? All the folks that remember this version of Sting. Do, do you th- can you imagine Scott Hall like telling Sting he'll give him ten bucks if he says that's all instead of it's showtime? <laughs> Chico Stinger. Hey, I'm not going to do it. It's not that funny, but I can just see it happening. Okay. The next match is a game changer for this episode of Nitro. Because I felt like up until this point, there had been some a really good blend of like, I, I rated some stuff funny, high, and then, you know, I liked some of the Ric Flair stuff. Mm-hmm. This next match set up precedent. Do you remember what the next match was? I got Harlem Heat versus Chronic versus question mark because I couldn't um, keep track. I think there was some Mama Luke's in there. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're filing a police report, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there was, was some very there, hard to keep track of. Chronic defeated H2K. That's Harlem Heat 2000, the Harris brothers and the Mama Luke's in what I did not know until it was too late was an elimination match via right. what I'm calling the Harlem Shake up. It was because I did not know what the fuck was happening in this match. Jay, uh, do, you think, do you think Brian Adams of Chronic looks like The Undertaker? 
a little bit, yes. Do you do you for real though? I, so yes. I wanted to ask you if you thought he looked like Brandon Lee, but I, I was like, <laughs> if I don't ask if he looks like the Undertaker, I won't be doing former WCW Must I co-host Aaron George his due. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were kind of forced into that. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. But do you do you think he looks like Brandon Lee from the Crow? No, not really. Okay. Harlem Heat 2000 starts this match immediately on their lunch break. They're not here for this at all. Um, it does eventually devolve into a like literal like four corners tag elimination match. But we cut to the back to see Scott Steiner take out catering, which I thought was an awesome moment for that Steiner. That was so cool. I was like, let's just stay on that instead of this fucking chaos that we have happening in the ring. I just want to watch Scott Steiner throw around chairs in the snack area. I agree. It was awesomely fantastic. So this match is going to get points just for that cutaway. But uh, I don't know if it's Don or Ron, but one of these Harris boys def- desperately needs a belt. Okay. One of them is trying to keep his pants up, though, his britches up the whole match. <laughs> All right. So I'm, a, I'm watching this match, and they're going to a, the fit, what I assumed was the finishing sequence. Okay. It wasn't. It was just the first finishing sequence. And I don't even know what was happening. But I do know that as it started, Ahmed Johnson walks from one end of the ring to the ramp completely in front of the view of the camera and just takes himself a fucking moment. Okay, he doesn't want any part of this match, not because his character is like, I'm not taking this. It's just he's so out of shape and he's he's in better shape than I've ever been. Just every moment he exists. Okay, (laughs) I'm not trying to like but this is this is the like people say this is like peak Billy Kidman if he's having a good match. This is peak uh, horror. This is horizontally the peak of Ahmed Johnson. He's quite portly, I will say. Yeah. And and asthmatic as well, and, and you yeah. know it's has nothing to joke about, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. Um, but after there's a one two three, he he kind of comes back into frame, and I think the first people out are the Mama Lukes because they suck, and eventually it comes down to, I think it's H two, it's Harlem Heat two thousand and Chronic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, at Stevie Ray pulls out uh, a double slapjack and hits. Ahmed Johnson with it, okay? Or or Big T. I, I should call him by his WCW character, Big T. Um, and thus, I think H2K has just broke up in front of us, hence this Harlem shakeup, okay? This match was a complete clusterfuck. Yep. But much like Norman Smiley pulling the Yui, I was in the right mood when I was watching this match, and I laughed the whole time. <laughs> okay. I mean, you got also, you got Shane and Bagwell on commentary. Um, oh, Jesus, that's right. So that was, like, very confusing, too. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I guess it's good that Chronic won. Um, it seemed to be what people wanted, uh, but I was thoroughly confused. Commentary did not help me at all to figure out what was happening. So uh, I didn't even rate this one. I gave it four lung transplants <laughs> because I didn't want to do kidney transplants. Cause when you're talking about Ahmed Johnson, that's the lowest hanging fruit. Uh-huh. So I went with his fucking failing lungs. I'm sorry, Ahmed. <laughs> really? um, Speaking of failing lungs. Uh... Well, Scott Steiner sprints down the ramp cause they've got the same ramp tonight. He does a double Steiner line on totally franchised. 
who you'd mentioned were there, they were here to steal the belts back from Chronic because Chronic right. was carrying the belts. And in a great moment of like accidentally good storytelling, Scott Steiner, who's sort of been rebelling from the new blood, clotheslines these two guys just because they're the two things in front of him. He doesn't do this out of like malice. I mean, he's angry, but the gag is he just, he would clothesline anything in his way. So they drop the belts and Chronic just walks by and does the old whistle grab, the they grab the belts and walk away. Like, you know, nobody's, nobody's seeing this. And he calls Tank out by saying, stop gumming Russo in the back, uh, which I thought was fucking funny. I did too. I was blown away that it got on TV. It's, I think, it's very suggestive. <laughs> yes. Also true, though, because I don't think Tank has any teeth. But <laughs> what instantly like threw me off is that Scott, you know, he stopped gumming Russo in the back and get out here. Mark Madden, to show he's blown away by this moment in the history of our sport, he brays like a donkey. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, we cut to the he back and we donkey, see. So checks well. Out. It, it does. I thought it was a, a pe- hey, hot take. Is it penguin or penguin? See, uh, earlier I was going to say something when you were saying that word. I always say penguin. Oh, God. But I did That's notice okay. that you said penguin. You know, and, and uh, don't get me wrong. It's just funny. I always have this uh, conversation uh, between no, penguin and penguin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I feel like the character lands into the hard A. Like, if it's, you know, again, I'm a massive nerd. So if it's like, you know, the, you know, Penguin Man saves Gotham City, like it's, they, it's Penguin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> Penguin, weird. <laughs> where does this come from? Like, <laughs> it's an E, not only. It's I, an e. I think a lot of Southerners um, will say an I sound as opposed to an E sound in a lot of situations. Well, it could be, and it's and hey, that's fine. I I think the uh, the I said for some reason I like regional stuff. I think it's it's part yeah, of the charm, too, yeah. you know, like it is part of the charm that this offer. Uh, although I've never understood, I have always said that I never want to hear the word texted. Okay, Why? so for. If I were going to say, hey, Jenny, I'll text you tonight, like, or no, it's, uh, oh, if I was, if you, if you, uh, if we met up at WrestleMania, uh, I'm just trying to create a realistic scenario. And I was like, hey, I text you last night because I got in early. Uh, you know, where's everybody meeting? The, I feel like society wants me to say I texted you last night. <laughs> but saying I text you implies the past tense. Ah, oh, okay, okay. I see so it, because I think texted sounds like something that like a four-year-old would say when they're learning. <laughs> Mommy, yeah. what did Daddy texted you? Is he getting McDonald's? And I, I, I love four-year-old. Like, what well, that sounds, you know, I, my yeah. four-year-old kids are cute. I had two four-year-olds at one point. Like that's cute. It's not cute to hear like a grown person say, "I texted you." I, th- I've never paid attention. To what I say in that scenario, but I feel like it's got to be text. Like, well, I, I don't think see being saying texted. I mean, and and hey, if you say it, I'm not, I'm not, and not you, I just anyone. Don't even know what I say. It's always been something that's been like, man, it just it blows my mind that that was where society landed on how to say it. We gotta I don't know if it's. <clears throat> well, hey, uh, 
start a petition and I will hear about it and be like, that sounds cool, man. And forget to sign it. <laughs> uh, Tank Abbott is in the back with Doug Dillinger. Is this your first exposure to Doug Dillinger? Cause I don't think it's probably his exposure um, to, you know, and I was going to do some joke about Doug Dillinger's like a pervert at a truck stop, but I couldn't put it all together. <laughs> Thanks for workshopping that. Yeah, no, I don't recall <laughs> seeing him. Um, he basically tells he's the he's the security guy, the head of WWE security, and he tells right. him not to screw it up. And he says, "You're going to regret it. You're going to do it. You're going to regret it." The uh, national anthem of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia starts playing over the uh, loudspeaker. And the crowd starts chanting Goldberg. Uh-huh. Um, and the man is here. Steiner's in the ring calling out Tank Abbott. But we get the man, as Bobby DeBrain Heenan said. Were you psyched to see Goldberg? Yeah, uh, that was very unique. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, Dillinger's in the back. He knocks on the, uh, you know, the door. R&B security's here. And um, Tank Abbott basically just does Goldberg. Yeah. But it is entertaining to watch. It's not I felt. bad. I, I mean, yeah. I kind of was into it. it tank, this is like Tank Abbott's been showing ass lately, like on this, like getting into like more of the entertainment aspects of it. He'll just be a full-blown character here by August, but it's still May, and he still has a little bit of credibility. Um, He does do these great jazz hands mm-hmm. when he comes out and poses like Goldberg. I was here for that. They have... Like a 40-second match. So mm-hmm. let, me, let me do my announcer thing. Scott Steiner and Tank Abbott end in a no contest. <laughs> um, they have a 40-second match. And if the back 20 had been like the first 20, I may have gone five stars on it because they st- immediately start wrestling in the modern main event style at WWE. Like if, if, you, if you pick up what I put down, this like Goldberg, Brock, balls to the wall this match is only going to be two minutes because we're going to punch each other in the face until one of mm-hmm. us dies mm-hmm. yes but then the last 20 seconds is just like a chokehold yeah <laughs> um, until until uh bro comes out that's right rick steiner comes out and he's like hey let him go um and scott's like oh we'll let him go but he lets him go anyway and rick steiner kicks scott steiner in the ass literally and they beat up. They beat him up. Rick's Rick's back, and he's turned heel on his his old brother. Good night. What the hell's Rick thinking? Uh you know he he's done with the mullets. Now he wants the. He's in the chin stuff. Chin stuff. Well, yeah. If you're if you're in the chin stuff, you go with Tank because he's got that Billy Goat beard. But what reason does he have to turn on his brother? Uh Vince Russo? Okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, They beat the shit out of Scott so hard that it becomes the Wendy's Burger is Bliss replay of the week. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good beatdown, I will say, with (laughs) Rick (laughs) looking very street casual uh, (laughs) for the entire beatdown. It goes along with Tank's Kmart pants. For sure, man. These guys are just the epitome of bad dressing wrestlers. Very much so. The general erection also deserved to be shamed for that. I didn't yes. earlier, so I'll do it yeah, now. Yeah, that was bad. Miss Elizabeth in her very so okay. Actually, I'm going to argue with the internet here because the internet 
tells me that this match is a no contest. And so does the plot, because as we know, if Liz gets wins this match against Daphne, she gets her freedom from Russo. So in my announcer shtick, Liz defeats Daphne via a Lundreference. <laughs> I I was curious how you would call that match um, because I I was confused about the ending and and who won and who was DQ'd and what happened. Um, but I really did really like Russo just prowling the backstage before the Liz and Daphne match, and he's just like poking his head into doors. <laughs> You know, he's like, he's like screaming at Liz, get your clothes on, you're about to do this match. And he's like, then he goes, he like, kind of like, what are you looking at? It's some rando. Oh, yes, he does shame that random guy. That's such a good pull. And then he goes to another room. He's like, be ready if I call you out, you know, and like, oh, who the fuck is that? But exactly to me, all that was like, just pure, like Russo, like I could just see him just doing that legit in the back well and it's like a giant long take too like yeah. i think russo thinks he's like quentin tarantino in a way i feel like he does sort of feel like he is that in his own mind he is like he's the like bad version of that because quentin tarantino can find a way to make desperate ele- or disparate elements mixed together and come together in a cohesive narrative mm. um you know, and he could also go on a 10 minute rant about like an episode of Sailor Moon and how it relates to like banking culture. That's all made up shit. And it probably popped into my head as Sailor Moon because Sasha Banks in that Sailor Moon outfit was the only reason to watch Real Rumble. Now I feel like a bad person <laughs> saying that because I don't well, really you like. Are, but it's fine. Fair enough. Um, But my th- this wasn't Liz. This is all Daphne. OK. We we made fun of Liz's outfit. Dad, what is? Do you remember what Daphne's shirt says? Uh, Liz. Oh shit, Liz something. It says Liz will die. Will die. Yes. Now, this match is kind of sad because. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I was just like, Jesus, that shirt. Now it makes great sense with a Daphne character. Like it's very funny in the context it's supposed to be in. Like. <laughs> Look, Daphne already got a shirt made that says she's gonna beat up Liz. Like it's funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Until Liz actually dies, it's funny. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you, Lex. So yeah, yeah but Alund- Alundra Blaze Medusa comes out. Uh, I call her Alundra Blaze jokingly. I think she's actually pretty cool. I like Medusa. Um, I don't know if she's cool to hang out with. I just, you know, I like the character. Uh, she starts beating up on Liz, and then the bell rings, which immediately makes me think DQ, right? Mm-hmm. The bell rings and rings and rings and rings for like a full fucking minute. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I was crazy because they they do this in WCW sometimes. It's the dumbest shit. It pisses me off. It's, it's like Fonzie with his whistle. Like I can't. Uh, the I cadence. can't with the noises. It drives me crazy. Bell ringing for I need help. Is like six quick rings. Yes. Pause. Six quick rings. Pause. Not shame. You know. It was like as soon as they ran out, it was just like bell ringing, and I think that's why I just like you know blacked out at the end of this match, and I didn't know what happened because the bell was just ringing. That's all I could hear and all I could focus on. And and Liz does try to like (laughs) fight back, and I really, I'm not gonna lie, I did pop for her doing the chair shot. 
Um, oh, because yeah. That is a little bit um, something that I never really expected to see of Liz. So, and then watching her getting dragged out by R&B security at the end. I don't know. It was a little bit badass. Um, and it made me like Liz a little bit more. Yeah, she she got her hit in, dropped the chair and said, you know, there's no point in us, you know, fighting over this. It's a real, mm-hmm. you know, bride to go back to my Quentin Tarantino analysis, you know, from exactly. Kill Bill. Yes. It's like, you know what? We're going to fight anyway. We might as well fight right now. Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, this is pointless. I'm a professional. And she also, uh, this being her first match ever, she did not shy away because as soon as old girl Daphne was in the ring, she was attacking her. So it was a hot start for her too. Um, so I just thought Liz ended up looking really good at the end yeah. of this. Yeah, she came out on the other side of this shit, I felt yep. like. Yep. Um, I I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't like hilarious, so I couldn't go like no. really high on it. I couldn't go really high on it, but... It, it was a two-minute segment. I gave it two minutes of decent television because that's what I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, oh God, it's so – I mean, I gave it zero just – but also, you know, there's – I'm going to give it three cred points for Liz. For sure. And Molly Holly comes out too, mm-hmm. which is – like what's interesting here too is the subtext here. And I don't want to spend a ton, but I've already brought it up. You've got Liz – basically doing battle with Medusa, who was, I think, the leader of the evil female team Madness when when Savage came back in 99. And then Molly Holly was, like, in the middle as, like, a kind of on-the-fence character, I think. So they all have this history with the Macho Man is where I'm going with this. See, I didn't know any of that, so... I mean... Yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Macho Man's, like... I mean, I'm not down with 99 Macho Man, but he's my old—he's my favorite. Oh so. yeah, he's the best. Uh, absolutely. We actually come back from commercial for another wrestling match: Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, and Kevin Nash versus the Filthy Animals in a St. Louis street fight. Ended when the bell rang. I'm that sorry, was... what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This—I think this was a no contest, but it's a street fight. Yeah. I... God, this was so fucking confusing. <laughs> I'm like, what? I think TNA is easier to follow. It, you know, it wouldn't surprise me because TNA at least is a constant. Sh- I know they, they, the fight network cut it up and put it on, but it's at least a stream of consciousness. Like the commercial break cutaways here really hurt. They do. They really do. Because you come back to God knows what, and you don't remember what happened when you left. <laughs> And 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 Hogan is looking real intense too. Like he's this is I his. I can't get a read on what this is that he's doing. So I don't want to come off as someone who thinks they're like a pseudo. I, I'm gonna about to Kevin Nash myself. I don't want to. <laughs> but I've I've and I'll be brief. I've always seen this as Hogan trying to evolve his character in a way, and he I don't think he wants to admit it, but I think he was in for this because. This is what Austin was doing. I always, I, the reason I call him Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea is because he wants to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. So he becomes Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea. Hmm. And he, he's got the vest. He's rebelling against authority. He's cussing. He's just brawling. He, I mean, I don't blame Hogan for trying to, you know, extend his run and get some more money. I'm a capitalist. Why not ape the biggest guy in the business? It right. doesn't work. But this is a legitimate stage of Hulk Hogan's career. It, it shouldn't be 
you know, people are always like, oh, were you face or heel Hogan? It's like, but don't forget this version of Hogan before he comes back to WWE. This is the last step before he comes back eventually, you know, before they get sold out. I just, the whole reason I agreed to do this project was to get that narrative out into the culture. The Hogan narrative? Yeah, the Hulk Hogan had another character that everybody forgets about narrative. Okay. Um... I'd also like to see if you'd like to invest in my leggings company. <laughs> no, thank you, AJ. Fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, uh, the juice is here. Were you excited to see the juice, or are you in on the juice? Have you ever juiced? I love orange juice. Uh, mimosas are my favorite, so... That's that uh, orange juice with shit in it, right? Uh, champagne? With, yeah, champagne. Yeah. So that sounds like heartburn, though. It, yeah. I mean, if you have trouble with bubbles, then that's not really an acid. It's really not going to work for you. Well, that's the thing. It just sounds like a really acidic drink. It is. It is. The juice is Juventud Guerrera. He makes his triumphant return to WCW. Um, he's always on something. He's so much fun to watch. He is fun. And he was, I don't know what he's wearing, but... Uh, he looked like he was just strolling in uh, off oh, the street. He looks, I mean, I don't know where he came from, um, but I'm, I'm here for him. I'm glad he's back. Mm-hmm. I was also here for Hogan casually hitting Conan with a chair. Did you see this he, shot? Like all, all of Hogan's chair shots are fucking terrible. Well, <laughs> Conan is in like the 619 position and Hogan's on the outside. He has a chair and he... He, Hogan's going to do something else, but he sees Conan's there, and he casually is like, eh. and then he, but he, he does he doesn't break stride though. It's pretty funny. No, I don't know. It, it bugs me. I don't know. I'm weird. So yeah, Ray or Nash throws Ray. Mark Madden says he threw him like a lawn dart, you know, because they're trying to. Um, Mike Awesome is also with them. So what what happens to make it cohesive for our listeners? The Hogan chases like the filthy animals away and Nash is left in the ring with the juice. Okay. The juice is the distraction. Kevin Nash gets distracted by Hoovitude and gives him another cigarette variant jackknife. Yeah. I love these things. They were, that was very good. (laughs) Yes. He dropped one a couple episodes ago on Conan. So he, 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 Hey, me and the animals, we just like to smoke a little bit before the show. <laughs> it's kind of how we, uh, you know, or if I if I, if I, I do it to the juice, I'm saying, juice, you got to bring tonight, man, because I'm out. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, there's no proof of that. Um, yeah, yeah, none. The filthy animals, like, hide out of, you know, sight so Hogan can't see him, and Hogan rounds the corner. And Tony it's an Trivo- obvious trap. Like, what it, is he doing? It's so obvious. Tony Schiavone goes, "It's a trap." It's a trap. <laughs> and I was, and I was just on the floor, like having yeah. a ball with this fucking <laughs> professional sports entertainment segment. Um, they throw Hogan in the trunk, which is like a great thing to see these guys like mugging Hogan and throwing him mm-hmm. in the goddamn trunk. Uh, Nash does his cigarette. The bell rings after the cigarette jackknife, and um, it's. I don't know. It's the end of the match. I gave it three enthusiastic drug users. <laughs> well, is... Goldberg's monster truck shows up uh, as they try to uh, get away with Hogan in the trunk and uh, thwarts that plan. So Yeah, he does. I, I gave it 14 monster trucks. Hell yes. 
But I was confused because, yes, when the Goldberg monster truck comes in and scares away the filthy animals before they can drive away with Hulk Hogan in the truck. That's what you are eloquently describing that I skipped over because I've been hanging out with the juice today. <laughs> um, the Goldberg truck shows up and one of the announcers yells, it's Goldberg. I think it was Shivani. And I'm wondering if Tony is like legitimately thinks that Goldberg is a transformer. Well, I wondered either that or if Goldberg was actually driving this vehicle, which probably not. I can see Goldberg being like, of course I could drive this vehicle. I'm a man. I feel like it goes either way in 2000 WCW. (laughs) For sure. Oh, man. You never know. Um, I don't always get excited for a commercial, but the fact that they left in this 1-800-CALL-ATT road report. That was weird. Dude was amazing. <laughs> it's something, so one of those nerdy, like Ricky Rackman guys is like, oh, next week we're going to be at the Coast Coliseum in Biloxi, Mississippi. Now, I popped for this because this is where Beach Blast Night, the same arena where Beach Blast 92 was held, which I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. I wonder, have you ever been to Biloxi? I have. I, I had an amazing weekend at the casino in Biloxi. Uh, oh, did I call it Biloxi? Well, I mean, it's Cocaine's one of a hell those of a drug. penguin penguin things. <laughs> I say Biloxi, you say Biloxi. <laughs> it's always been Biloxi um, for me, but yeah, uh, I uh, was reprimanded very strongly by uh, a pit boss at 4 a.m. for cursing at the blackjack table. Uh, and I'm like, why are you mad at me? There's no children around here. It's 4 a.m. and I'm gambling. Like, I can say fuck. And then she kept saying, ma'am, ma'am, please. And, uh, and scaring me. That sounds like the most southern thing I've ever heard in my life. Like it was, it was quite fun. It's like come to our casino and gamble. Now, ma'am, this is Mississippi. We don't allow the Lord's name to be taken in vain. She did not like me, cousin. She did not at all like me, cousin. Man, um, when you told me you spent one night in Biloxi or a crazy weekend in Biloxi, I, I, I was not prepared for that because I didn't see it going that way. I thought it was going to end with you and the, cl- the the clink, as Scott Hudson would call it, and I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> no, no, but, I was on my best behavior. Allowing. Oh, well, that lady said, what, like, do you remember what cuss word it was? It was fuck. I kept saying fuck oh. quite a lot because I was learning how to play blackjack, and um, I was doing well for a while and was very much surprised at how well I was doing. And then quickly I lost all the money that I had won. Oh, man. I don't know that I've ever played blackjack in a casino before. i've been to casinos but i don't think i've ever played blackjack that was um, that was probably the first time i had done it um but it was very fun and i would recommend it i, and I would, would recommend the beau rivage in biloxi mississippi <laughs> they have an amazing pool uh that's also very fun and you will meet all kinds of crazy characters you know at this biloxi Ro- biloxi hotel and resort do they have new coca-cola starlight i think they probably do yes Oh, I love synergy. I love, I love brand synergy. <laughs> um, I know Biloxi Blues. I think that's like a play. Mm, sounds like a Matthew, porn, but okay. Well, it is a, I believe it's a film, a movie film about uh, Matthew Broderick coming of age in the military in the 50s. So there's probably Jesus. some, 
yeah, this well, there, but I think it's like a, those those rascally boys sort of movie, oh, okay. and not a like okay. Vietnam movie. Like it's okay. like these rascals are always flirting with these nurses, and we just <laughs> let them get away with it. Bunch of rascals in the war. Well, it's the South, so there's there's a bunch of rascaling going on. Okay, the main event. Jeff Jarrett retains the WCW Championship, defeating Sting via Courtney Love. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you get it? I got it. Yeah. All right. Woo. I don't know much about Hole, but I really do like their cover of <laughs> Fleetwood Mac's Gold Dust Woman, which is a wrestling-related comment because it's about gold dust. But um, it's from the Crow City of Angels, which I guess I've shown my hand by referencing Brandon Lee and both the sequel to the Crow, the Crow City of Angels. It was on the Crow City of Angels soundtrack. I guess it's like a Fleetwood Mac song. I guess yeah, I don't ever... know it. No, I guess I don't know it. And if you make it come, break it, make it I know that version. I don't know the whole version, I guess. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, do you know that song Desperado? <laughs> Where that song is. <laughs> How does it go? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't either. Um, so I I want to stop the gags though. I <laughs> I like this. I like I like this match, but the crow was really nervous. That's the whole. The crow was like because there was an actual crow on the Nitro Vision screen when Sting comes out, and this crow was having a heart attack because of the loud noises. <laughs> Well, you know, it's very hard to be, you know, a crow in a in a, <laughs> in a Dumbo movie. In a, yes, in this, this environment. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I just uh, the crowd. The, well, that's a nice way, I guess, though, of saying that the crowd was here for Sting. They wanted Sting. Uh, I, I was here for this too. I mean, like. Until the end, I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah, this is I did the I cheat a little bit. It's like a five minute match. Okay, so it's definitely condensed. But uh, Sting does an awesome stinger splash. Like it's on a botch. Like the the script calls for him to miss it because I think Jarrett moves. But Sting like catches himself, which I've never seen him do. Like counter the counter to the stinger splash. Mm I don't know. He was swinging his bat like it was a lightsaber. I really love the ramp that goes right up to the ring as well. Um, yes. And and he does a great spot where he like suplexes Jared on the apron of the ramp. Um, that That's really brutal. That is a great. There's multiple ramp moments. That is the first one. The ramp assisted suplex type deal. There's a. Oh, what happens? There's a. Oh, there's a really nice spot where. Jarrett's on the ramp after that, and Sting comes off the top and does a big splash, and he misses, but that's how Jarrett gets control. Mm-hmm. And he does uh, a flying clothesline off uh, over the top rope from the ramp as well. Yes, he does. So that he does that exact same move. There's this tremendous uh, – it's not tremendous, actually, but he does that move in Battle Bowl 92 against Vader. Uh, he runs into the Battle Bowl Battle Royal at Vader and just dives over the ramp. It's a badass 92, like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band <laughs> Sting moment. Um, my brother grew up a massive Sting fan, so I kind of was included on Sting's greatest... You know, Sting's greatest hits was always playing when we were younger. So, mm. um, The match ends with Hole, Courtney Love, 
because <laughs> they, they trade submissions, figure fours, and they're having a damn good match. And honestly, like, if I didn't know better because it's 22 years later, like, the crowd believed they could have switched the title because that's what WCW does. They play hot mm-hmm. potato with the world mm-hmm. title. I know that you didn't know. Well, I don't know if you knew that Vampiro was going to emerge from a massive I did not hole. know that, no. Um, did he... you think he had a chance? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Here I am, like, selling the hope. <laughs> Tonight, WCW changes this course forever. No, nah, I didn't no, think it was going to do that. Because that kind of, before he pops out, he sort of, like, tests it. Uh, he sure does. You can kind of see it, him, and he sort of blows his whole deal. So um, the timing. And, yes. Works. I won't say the timing because I know that's got to be hard if you're under the ring to figure out when the fuck you're coming out. You sure. know, um, I, I don't, I'm not unsure of the mechanics of that, but um, I, I, I would blame it on the cameraman for for catching that angle. Sting also slows with like normally he would turn to the scorpion, you know, he turn from the front position like back quickly, like, but he does it very slow and does it twice, like he stutters to see if Vampiro's in place, excuse me, if in place yet. So the finish doesn't come together a hundred percent. But it is quite striking though, after <laughs> after fake sting um <laughs> drags real sting under the ring and then births him again um bloody um back up through the hall <laughs> well don't forget that as soon as he pulled sting down one of their sorry asses had to grab the fire extinguisher and shoot it yes. straight to the air yes. yes i could just see them under this ring like i would pay you know wwe used to put out all these awesome dvds like how come they never record like release the under the ring cam footage of all the times these fuckers were under the ring i would love to see that shit oh i would too like i just wanted to like watch the undertaker out uh, underneath the ring for a big important match in real time (laughs) it's gotta be fucking crazy yeah oh and you know it's undertaker too so at some point one of those legs is coming in the air and coming up in the air and he's just letting out a big part you know you get nervous and it's probably hot under there and oh God you damn. Know, it probably doesn't smell too good. <laughs> like, uh, damn, Blaine, I farted under the ring. <laughs> <laughs> you just thought it was a fire extinguisher. <laughs> it, yeah. Goddamn thing. <laughs> I love Old Man Undertaker, so I'm just going to pretend that every time he had to hide under a ring, he was the old man version of himself. <laughs> um, I, gave it, I, I, I gave it three legitimate whatever's like i'll give it three professional wrestling stars it was it was a lot of fun to watch like no it wasn't a three-star match but what we've been handed tonight this was the best wrestling match and it had a shitty sports entertainment finish this is one of the rare sports entertainment finishes i'm not on board with yeah i I don't know i kind of enjoyed it like just for the shit show and um uh two and a half legitimate stars hey all right and i think that's about par for the course when it comes to weekly wrestling television for WCW at this era. Uh, we wrap with what would you expect? A big fucking just melee monster between truck. our two factions and a monster truck. Um, Nash comes back. Mark Madden. This is where Mark Madden dubs him the sex executioner. <laughs> which I, I'm I, sorry. That's brilliant. <laughs> yes. I was going to say like, that is, that is a fucking, that that's a nickname. That's because you know, I'm, the, you know, you've got the Viper, the Apex Print, like, you know, Randy Orton, these guys these days, they have all these fucking nicknames. And like, but 
Sexecutioner is like one of the ones that needs to be remembered. It's a good one. I feel like it has a shoot too. No, for sure. Oh, I'm sure, dude. Mark Madden's allegedly, <laughs> you know, fantasized about Kevin Nash. Oh, sure. Who hasn't? I will say that. All seriousness, he is the one constant on commentary that puts a. He does a good, decent thing of putting Nash over as someone that you're supposed to be afraid of. His big shtick is, you know, you piss off Hogan, he might, you know, sw- hit you with a steel chair at, at a wrestling match, but. I don't know what Kevin Nash is gonna do. Like that motherfucker's crazy. He'll execution you. He will. Uh, <laughs> I mean, how does one execute? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> hey, look at the adjective execute. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's probably. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> it also so it could be a sweet nickname for Kevin Nash or something that you would hear like Schwarzenegger say at the end of one of his movies. <laughs> you've you've been executed. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is the executioner <laughs> on TBS. Eight oh five Eastern. <laughs> that is definitely a porn parody, right? <laughs> 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 I'd watch it. I watched. I I watched. I know you don't listen to this show, but I watched uh, uh, a uh, Buff Bagwell segment of pornography for this show. Holy shit! And uh, reviewed it. Uh, it was interesting. It was kind of like uh, Royal Rumble because there were five guys and they had to draw numbers to see who was going to go first. <laughs> we're talking about a Limp Biscuit situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chocolate stoppers. I unabashedly listened to a lot of Limp Bizkit in the year 2000. So uh, who didn't though? Yeah, I mean, you know, in my Limp Bizkit fandom obviously faded. It, it moved in, it moved out. My hands went up, they went down. Mm-hmm. I backed up. Okay, I stick a fork in him. I'm like the Steve Allen of, but my all my shit's bad. Like Steve Allen riffs constantly, but it's all like diamond shit. Well, uh, you need some cubic zirconias, I guess, every now. That's and then. right. Uh, Goldberg transforms back into his truck mode form and run, <laughs> and runs over Tank Abbott and Rick Steiner's. Hey, I bet Tank Abbott and Rick Steiner's car to uh, end our scene. <laughs> Two households, both alike, <laughs> in Fair Verona, House Tank and House Steiner. <laughs> it's the classic Romeo Juliet, I feel it's, like. It's the Goldbergs and the Steiners. Scott Steiner's no Tibbalt. Scott Steiner shall not live. Oh, I don't like Romeo and Juliet. I just like the movie. The Baz Luhrmann movie. Um. Wow, the fact that you name dropped it—that's like one of the coolest things I've heard a person say in a long time. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, Baz Luhrmann is kind of an obscure. I mean, like he did that. I actually, I'm, I'm on board with Moulin Rouge as well. Oh hell yeah! I mean, he has that Elvis movie coming out that looks yes, very weird and different. He, sort of into it. 
he's got such a kinetic style. Like I, yeah. I liked his Gatsby, but I, I don't, I don't like Tobey Maguire. Like that's, that's a shoot brother. <laughs> All right. Weird. Um, I was here for no way home. Uh, spoiler. Mm. I, you know, I am tired of saying spoiler for that movie. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been two months. Get over it. Yeah. We're, we're past that. Like I, I was there for that, but I just, I don't like Toby. Like he's, I don't know if nobody came here for the review of the great Gatsby, but I don't I, like, I like, <laughs> I like that character, and I just don't think Toby is that character. That's fair. I mean, I liked him, and I like that movie, but... But yeah, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet was the cultural event of my seventh grade year. Um, I adore that movie. <laughs> I do, too. I want... You know, I got COVID over the summer. This is where the studio audience goes, oh. <laughs> but no, I, I, I rewatched it when in my stay in uh, one of the nights. I mm-hmm. couldn't fall asleep. Uh, this is where everybody Venmo's me 50 cents and feels bad for me. No, it just, that's the last time I watched it. I got sick in August and then watched it. It was, the rest of it was a gag. Well, I did have COVID. That wasn't a gag, but that's not important. Um, so I've watched it recently and it holds up. That's the whole it fucking sure does. story. Yeah. That's the whole it point. Sure does. Yeah. Um, fucking Ant-Man rocking <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Yes. God, I saw something on Twitter. Paul Rudd, it was it was comparing, it was like Paul Rudd is the same age as this person. And it was someone, it was maybe it was a pro wrestler or a movie star when they were the same age as Paul Rudd. And it was like, my God, there's a reason he's people's sexiest man alive. He he's incredible. Like <laughs> he looks no, he exactly is. the same as he did. He does. I didn't like I didn't like Ghostbusters Afterlife. I don't know if you did. I did. 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 Okay. Like I was, I will admit to the 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 spoiler alert for Ghostbusters Afterlife to the Egon stuff hitting me, like mm-hmm. you know, because I felt bad for the, it made me sad for like those men, as people, because I know that they've all had falling outs over falling outs over the years that so they've been, you know, no one's ever shown Ernie Hudson the respect he deserves as a Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got a little teared up with the Harold Ramis shit, and the little girl was fantastic. I thought she was great, and she was great, and Paul Rudd it's really hard to like out cute him. And um, I feel like the, the little miniature, um, um, the little marshmallow guys, what do they call them? No, stay, the baby stay puffs. The baby stay puffs. So like, they were like, they're the only thing I could think of that can like up, <laughs> upstage Paul Rudd in a cuteness scene. Like, yeah, it was pretty I, great for me. Well, the little girl that played his daughter in Ant Man mm-hmm. is a close second. They, they, you know, he's so good. He's it, like, I am. I remember saying this like I'm like it's some revelation. But when he got cast as uh, Ant Man, I was like, good for him, man. Like, what a guy who. And he got into like that. Welcome to the Paul Rudd podcast, by the way. <laughs> but like, you know, not that. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, those they, they, those Marvel actors, they they get in shape. I hope they do it, you know, healthy way. I know there was a lot of shit about somebody with, you know, are, is it, you know, safe or not have you? But I feel like Paul Rudd, if he didn't feel good about himself, because like if you go back and watch like Anchor, I'm not trying to publicly shame fucking Paul Rudd. I'm just saying that like, good for him, man. Get him a solid paycheck. He gets in the best shape of his life. People, yeah. people, people names him like the sexiest. Like I'm so what I'm saying is no one deserves like. Even if it's, you know, silly, vain stuff. Like, good for Paul Rudd, man. Uh, if he can 100%. make it, we all can. Fuck yeah. I mean, and he he just seems like the coolest guy. Like, just 
in general, like beyond how smoking hot he is and how funny he is. Like it, he just seems like an awesome, legit dude. Yeah, dude. I he I I'd kill you know, I wouldn't mind looking like that guy. Shit. Are you fucking serious? Like he's he's a badass. He's yeah. very and he's fun and he's funny too. Um, and he's got <laughs> Paul call me man <laughs> that's what I feel like I'm doing here but no like he's the first like I saw Clueless in the theater and I didn't know who Paul Rudd was obviously but it's like he's fucking Josh from Clueless he's Ant-Man and he's all the shit in between man Brian Fantana fucking the guy the 40 year virgin who's really funny <laughs> who's, who doesn't like Michael McDonald <laughs> Um, let's put a bow on this podcast, man. Alrighty, I, let's do it. I can't thank you enough for coming. Uh, it, you know, it, it is kind of cool that I was, I was happy to get to like double digits, like from a, a true standpoint, like, Hey, all right, we did it. And I appreciate you for coming on here because I was, I knew I would need a female perspective for this event, but at the same time, your, your, your podcasts are always so entertaining and your voice is truly unique amongst you know, I feel like a lot of the voices here on the network and, you know, I wanted to get your assessment on this. Um, and clearly you're just as crazy as the rest of us when it comes to this. They're, the only way to have fun with this shit is to have fun with it. I think that's, that's the only way I know how to do it. And I appreciate you having me and I appreciate you saying that. Um, Absolutely. Uh, good luck Plug on you getting any more female voices. On the show, <laughs> but, you know. I'm going to have to do my own, I think, in the future. I'll be like, yeah, just, yeah, just make up a female character. I'll, uh, you know, I'll have a Mrs. Mrs. Pennywiggle or whatever. And she'll be like, <laughs> oh, hello, Johnny. Oh, or I could just come back. I mean, that'll work. Yes. Will you come back as like we're doing a Mrs. Doubtfire, though? OK, yeah, maybe. Um, I would love for you to let anyone who's listening to this who doesn't already listen to your stuff, let them know all the cool things you have going on. Well, you mentioned a couple of them, uh, TNA Never Dies, um, which is uh, an absolute batshit crazy show, and hopefully we can record some of those soon, but we have a whole back catalog of um, insanity on that show, along with the Extreme Three-Way Dance, which goes through ECW's history. I feel like that's also what you do on a Friday night. It, yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I'm sorry. And then uh, more wrestling content can be found on the Place to Be Wrestling feed with PTB NXT and with Talkin' WCW. And um, not wrestling related at all is my own podcast feed uh, where I do just a lot of watch-alongs, honestly, at this point right now. Um, With uh, You Heard About Pluto, where we watch random shit from Pluto TV. Uh, You were on an episode of that uh, a little bit ago, not too long ago. Yeah, I think it was right around Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds, which feels like a, feels like, well, you know, I've often been called the present. That's my resident name. That's the present. (laughs) Good look. Good night, Tony. It's the present, Johnny C. And then uh, I have a show called Freak Out Drive-In, which is live watch horror. Um, the latest one being Anaconda with my bestie, Tim Capel. And um, anything I do, you can find on Twitter. I usually link everything there at Jenny Position and on my Facebook page, too. Absolutely. Check out the uh, episode you did on us, uh, Sleepaway Camp. I fucking love that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. That was and a lot. I, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Was that uh, was Rocco on there? That was Rocco, yeah. 
Yeah, that was a yeah. It was a really unique. And I mean, everything's great. I think it's always fun when someone talks about something that you really personally enjoyed. That episode stands out. It was recent, but I I love that movie. I was I like when people discover that type of shit because it's like I remember discovering it being like, damn, that was pretty good, you know. And that's how I felt because I didn't grow up with that movie at all. So no, I, yeah, I, I didn't. I totally discovered it as an adult, and it's great. I do love when shit like that can come back and, and still be fun for us. Like, there's always somebody out there who hasn't seen Spider-Man, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spoil it for you again. They're all in it. Ah, we're, let's get out of here. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much. I hope that uh, WCW makes it and you can come back and see us. But we all know that WCW must die.